welcome back to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Paltz, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. Today is the 19th episode of the podcast, and the star of the show is one of the immortal Garcia Hunter compositions, Mississippi Half Step Uptown, Toodaloo. Even this song title by itself just rings of poetry. Of course, the band sang it Half Step Mississippi Uptown, Uptown Toodaloo, and the fans often refer to it as Mississippi Half Step or simply Half Step. But few have called it Uptown Toodaloo. Anyway, we're going to take a look at the evolution of the song through the years. Um, It has a very interesting uh, curve, which obviously peaked in 1977, and will sample some of the greatest versions of Half Step through the years. Um, When I decided to do Mississippi Half Step for this week's um, podcast, I decided to go out and catch some live music. I took a look at the Capitol Theater, Porchester, Garcia's, Uh, Took a look to see who was playing, and it just so happened Half Step was playing at Garcia's uh, last Thursday, and I I went went down to see them. Great band from, uh, based in Long Island, like any band, they tour and get around a bit, but they do most of their shows in Long Island, so I've only seen them maybe six or seven times. I I would definitely see them more because they're they're like that good of a band, but it was a great night at, at Garcia's. I did a probably a road trip. It was about 75 minutes, a little more than an hour, which I usually won't do for a dead cover band. But hey, these guys are terrific. They put on a great show, awesome second set. And to just try to get across what kind of what their sound is, to me, they sound like the, the Grateful Dead in the 80s on a very good night. So um, as usual... Um, they did a great job. Tom, Cindy, rest of the band, Half Step. Highly recommend going and seeing them if you get a chance. And one other thing, uh, later on in the podcast, I'm going to add a new feature. It's uh, called simply called Album of the Week. Um, I do listen to other things besides the Grateful Dead, believe it or not. And I'm going to probably take, every week I'll probably take about five minutes and pick out a great album that I happen to be obsessing on over obsessing over at the time and now let's get back to matters of uptown toodaloo let's uh, start a half stepping <laughs> On the day Mississippi Half Step was born, thousands of deadheads packed Dillon Stadium, Hartford, Connecticut. That was July 16th, 1972. A great summer of uh, performances for the Grateful Dead. Two nights later, they played Half Step again in Roosevelt Stadium on July 18th. And um, on that occasion, Bob Dylan was there. Not on stage, but he was 
just checking out the Grateful Dead like everybody else in Jersey City on that night, accompanied by David uh, Bromberg. And what a show they caught, one of the all-time Great Dead shows. And no wonder Dylan has always been enamored with the Grateful Dead, not only the way Garcia covered his tunes, but he saw them in their prime on great nights like Roosevelt Stadium, July You could tell the Grateful Dead struck gold with this song by the way they played it. Uh, These early 72 versions are just bursting with energy. Um, You could tell how excited they were to play the song. It wasn't as smooth as some other songs like when they came out with Stella Blue, um, which debuted on June 17th and was also played in Dillon Stadium and Roosevelt Stadium. Uh, the song uh, really was almost sounded completed from the start. Half Step had so many, had like four or five places where they could place an instrumental, the between verse instrumentals. And uh, they in the, the early versions, they did the Rio Grande chorus twice. Uh, so they had a lot to work with. Uh, but the song had uh, some rough edges. You know, I wouldn't call it sloppy rambunctious might be a better uh, description rough and rowdy and um probably the best version i know of from uh, 1972 uh was in front of a huge crowd uh the maybe the largest crowd the dead had played to at an indoor stadium and the philadelphia spectrum on another epic show september 21st 1972 so um let's uh, sample a little bit of that half step I'm going to grab a a little glass of knocking on Heaven's Door whiskey while you enjoy a cup of rock and rye from the Philly Spectrum, September 21st, 1972.
lost my boots in transit, babe, a pile of smoke and leather. What a great line from uh, Robert Hunter right there. And um, through the years, as I listened to Mississippi Half Step, I would sing that line, sing along with it, not really having any idea what the uh, what it meant until I read. I, I knew it, was, it seemed like an important line, um, but it, it, until I read the annotated Grateful Dead lyrics, um, I really didn't understand uh, the, the line that much. Um, it, it refers to the uh, tragic accident that Garcia was involved in in 1960 out with some friends. Uh, accident occurs. Garcia gets thrown through the windshield uh, 100, maybe 100 feet from where the car was. He can't even see the car where, where he landed. And um, his boots were left behind in the uh, actual uh, vehicle. And, you know, sadly, his, one of his very good friends died. And it was at that moment uh, that uh, Jerry decided to get serious with his life, take his music serious. He felt as if he had been spared uh, to do something, um, make something of his life that he was spared for some reason. And boy, did that prove out to be true. Uh, here we are, um, almost uh, 30 years after his passing, his music is still taking off it's a it's a world within itself uh, and maybe that, that that day was kind of like the turning point that may have thrown it all into motion you know taking a tragedy and uh, making something enormous out of it and that's really in a in a way what the song mississippi half steps all about uh great you know just hunter and on top of his game here everything he loves to write about gambling card games Cain and Abel, you got the uh, the biblical references, booze, outlaws, and hope. Uh, you know the hope of moving on, um, escape. You know turning it, turning a new page, uh, and not looking back. Or as uh, Bob Dylan might sing, "Keep on keeping on like a bird that flew." But yeah, I lost my boots in transit, babe. A pile of smoke and leather. Uh, great song, great lyrics. And, uh, the, you know, the dead are, are getting it together. By the time 1973 rolls around, they have this song down cold. It's a, it's a, it's a gem. It's just like a, it's a polished gem. Everything's working. Uh, the, the vocals are clean and crisp. The instrumentals are, you know, tight and, and smoking. And, uh, you know, Keith's playing on the, the Mississippi half steps from this ever, from this era are, uh, is pretty incredible. So it's a song that just works, um, and almost every version is could, could be the type of thing that could be thrown on a thrown on an album. Uh, not a great difference between the versions, but they just, they just all hit the spot. And um, it, you know, and Wake of the Flood uh, ended up being the I'm sorry, uh, Mississippi Half Step ended up being the opening track of Wake of the Flood. It was like a five minute fifty uh, second version with the Vassar Clements on on the record, but. Um, you know, it's about as good as you could get. The whole Wake of the Flood album is all the songs are, are compressed. So, um, you know, interesting Grateful Dead records. They decided to do a studio one with their first one, where I, I think this, many of the songs, The Wake of the Flood, The Eyes of the World, Let It Grow, obviously Half Step. Um, these songs would have been better, you know, recorded live, kind of like Europe 72 was. But for what it was, you know, a studio album, it's a, a pretty good effort for, uh, for just, you know, for compressing it into a studio album and uh 1974 they put it on uh steal your face from, you know, from the winterland you got that version and just when you think you've 
the the band has Mississippi Halfstep exactly where it should be. Uh, they find a way to take it up a, another notch. So um, 1976 rolls around after they take a touring hiatus after the Winterland shows, and there's really a, a new approach to the music. There's no more Wallace sound. A lot of the freeform jamming is cut out. Uh, Dark Star's gone. So, uh, you know, that, that's like the sad part of moving into 1976, but it's a very exciting time. They're, they're turning a new page. They're moving on, man. Um, so they got all these great new songs, the uh, Blues for Alice songs, and, um, you know, Wake of the Flood stuff's coming into its own. So they took, took songs which were already uh, great songs, beloved songs, Sugary and Half Step, and during these next two years, they turned them into masterpieces. So there's a lot, lot to be said um, on the positive side of uh, 76 and 77. And I wouldn't change anything in Grateful Dead history. The way everything evolved is, you know, just a, it's, it's a great story and um, a great evolving listening experience for, for fans of the, the, the band. You know, it's uh, one period doesn't have to be better than, better than another or more listened to. So, yeah, I love my 76 and 77 just as much as those years. Um, but what happened with Mississippi Half Step is, you know, extraordinary. In 1976, they started stretching it out, getting a little better every show. A lot of great versions. You got that Oakland, uh, October 9th from that year, and it just so every, everything is get it keeps getting a little better every time it, it gets played. And then 1977 comes around, and in what was a uh, you know a landmark year for the band, the the song of the year might be Mississippi Half Step. It became that good in 1977. I'll point out a, a couple of uh, of the better versions from uh, 77. You got Winterland, March 18th. Um, that one is one of the more subdued, uh, kind of jazzy, almost banjo-like playing from Garcia on that one. A very different um, kind of sounding Mississippi half-step. Then you got the huge Boston Garden massive, uh, massive half-step from uh, May 7th on Billy Kreutzmann's birthday. It was the seventh song of the first set, and... The pre-Rio Grandio jam, wow! Just uh, they, they totally they brought it to like a new height that had never been to. Um, so the the Boston Garden half step is was I'd say easily the best one up to that point. But in 1977, they just kept topping. You know, great version, just you know, kept appearing and you know and getting better and better with with many songs. Music never stopped. Sugary, etc. Uh, you got. Uh, the I like the Alabama version, um, and that date I believe is May seventeenth. That's a very hot uh, Mississippi half step, and uh, about a week later, in the mosque in Richmond, Virginia, another great half step with a with an, an awesome outro jam. And then the, the band, after doing some Winterland shows, they took um, they did three three sets of Winterland shows that year in seventy seven. Uh, they took a break. Mickey had an injury. I believe he injured a wrist. Um, and also during that period, they you know they came out with Terrapin, Terrapin Station, the album, and also they premiered the Grateful Dead movie. So there was a lot of things going, a lot of positive momentum, and they returned to playing English Town. And of course, that's uh, just an immortal show in the in history of Grateful Dead. Hundred fifty thousand people on the racetrack. On, on the speedway, English Town, New Jersey, and that is the great uh, one of the greatest Mississippi half steps, probably revered as the best one. Um, and, and for me personally, it's it's the the 
version that really got me into the Grateful Dead. I first got into the Grateful Dead. It was 1981. I heard Europe 72, and I started buying the albums. I got excited. I was like, this is a fantastic band. They're right up there with whoever I was loving at the time. And I saw my first show at Madison Square Garden, and that was on March 9th. And the, the years uh, rolling along, I bought a, someone had a bootleg tapes for sale. I bought an English Town. I said, this looks good, English Town. Let me try this one. And when I heard that Mississippi Half Step, it took me to another level in my Grateful Dead appreciation. I couldn't believe how good it was. Um, so once I heard that, instantly, when I heard that in Mississippi Half Step, I, I said, now I know why people follow this band. If they're capable of doing this kind of thing, taking what I knew Mississippi Half Step to be, I'm waking a flood to this massive improvisation, just this, uh, one of the greatest pieces of music I'd ever heard in my life, and I knew it right at the time I was hearing it for the first time. So, um, yeah, I was like, I, I get it now. This is why people why people consider Jerry Garcia the best guitarist, call him God, you know, uh, all that stuff. It, it became apparent that I was like, yep, I got to get more on bootleg, more bootlegs. So the Mississippi Half Step unlocked the... Uh, the secret world of uh, Grateful Dead appreciation for me. And it, it, that for the longest time, uh, at least 30, 40, 30, at least 30 plus years, I consider that to be the best half step. There really is that pre-real grand jam where they, uh, they do a, an awesome thing, bring it to a crescendo, and then Keith starts doing something and Jerry picks up on it and they're off again. It's um, really one of the longest and most intricate uh, half steps and it was only, I'd say in the last year or two, after many listens to another half step, that I, I kind of replaced it in my mind as the number one half step. The one that I love most is from November 5th, 77, uh, from Rochester. Uh, the pre-Rio Grand Jam here is just r- ridiculous. If, if I were teaching a, a class on improvisation, of course it wouldn't be a musician's class, it would be like an improvisation appreciation I would make everybody take home the the this particular jam from November fifth, seventy seven, and uh, study it because this this has everything. Uh, Garcia and the band completely on their game. Uh, so it's it's creative. It has the the rolling emotional peaks. Um, it's both illogical and logical at the same time. They're doing things which seem impossible, but Garcia's playing was just so mathematical. He just he. As a listener, you're listening to it, it totally makes sense where he's going, even though you've never heard anyone go there before. So there was always that that element of precision. And I think this uh, this jam right here, which I'm going to play for you right now, best exemplifies a, um, a great improvisation. And it, is, it made this uh, half step my favorite. Rochester, November 5th, second song of the night. I'm not 
Half Step Heaven in Rochester War Memorial Auditorium, November 5th, 77. And the next night they played in Binghamton. And they also they played in Colgate the night before. This was an incredible three-night run, uh, just impressing the college students of the upstate New York area. And Half Step just kind of hung over the proceedings in Binghamton, it was, they never played half-step two nights in a row in 1977 or any year following, but that half-step was so good the night before, they had to come out and do it in Binghamton. They opened the show with it in Binghamton, and that's another unbelievable version. I give the Rochester one a slight nod over that, but they were just full of the half-step mania, and they brought it to to the college kids in New York and wow, they, they sowed the seeds for a generation of deadheads. That 77 tour just completely enthused the Northeast and um, re- really had uh, effects down the road for the Grateful Dead's popularity as they kept uh, returning to college campuses in New York and the entire area of Pennsylvania, uh, the whole Northeast, Massachusetts. So moving on from 1977... Half Step uh, was still played by itself, great versions, but the 1978 versions didn't quite measure up to what they did in 77. 77 is definitely that, that peak experience on which we, you can never hit it again. And I think the Grateful Dead even realized that as they went along, um, and eventually they took Half Step and segued it into Franklin's Tower. Um, now, Half Step Franklin's is one of the coolest combos. Get a crowd psyched. Thank God they did have Step Franklin's, but in a way it was almost it was it was a strange it was a strange marriage because Half Step by itself was at its best in 1977 before it joined up with Franklin's, and Franklin's is always at its best with help on the way Slipknot. So. uh for some reason, this one's really a mystery for me. The Grateful Dead, after 1977, stopped playing Help on the Way Slipknot Franklin's until um, 1983. They broke it out again, which um, they couldn't stop playing Franklin's. Obviously, that song was too popular. Uh, they had to keep that in the rotation. So Half Step and Franklin's navigated towards each other. And it was a it was a dynamic combo. Being if you're hey, if you're not going to put it play help on the way Slipknot Franklin's, you can't do much better than uh, Mississippi Half Step Franklin's, and uh, that that was a great combo to open the show, and it went on for a few years. Um, you know, m- many uh, brilliant versions of it. The only I guess the only, the only negative from the Half Step point of view is Half Step shortened up a little because it wasn't a solo presentation anymore. It was going to Franklin's. Uh, the band just shortened it up a little bit, so the versions never reached the majesty of 77. But uh, let's get back to the audio tape. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a version from Hollander Stadium in Rochester. Hey, it's another Rochester half-step, and uh, it must have been something about being in, uh, being in Rochester that inspired half-steps. Um, but the, one of the reasons I'm playing this one is... Garcia goes into the to the ending solo here, and one of my favorite moves that he does, I, I call it playing possum. 
he'll reach a point where he hits like that apex, the crescendo, where, where you can't possibly go anymore and the crowd's roaring and, you know, that thank you, Jerry, you're the greatest uh, musician we've ever seen. We love you. And then somehow it's he's, he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm not done yet. He invents this new series of licks that never existed before. And it just, you know, this guy did stuff that, you know, just no other guitarist. I, I don't care. Clapton, Beck, you name the guitarist. There was just something about the way Garcia could take a song and, and invent licks that never, a segue that never invented before, never existed before. Uh, take a song beyond its, where where it should be, way beyond its boundaries and just blow away an audience. And um, I, I think you'll understand kind of what I'm saying here, the, the play possum thing with this with this uh, Rochester half-step. So check it out. This is September 1st, Labor Day weekend, Rochester Hollander Stadium. Hollander Stadium show is something else, man. Great uh, half-step Franklins to open the show. And the second set, the uh, Skull of Fire is also extraordinary. Highly recommend September 1st, 1979. The half-step Franklin Skull of Fire, unbelievable stuff there. Um, so half-step Franklins cooks along pretty good, 1980, 81, 82. 
Um, a couple versions from 81 I'll just point out um, that you should uh, probably check out. If you don't know it already, Madison Square Garden, March 10th, 1981. Uh, Half Step Franklin's. During Half Step, there's like, um, I believe it's a speaker blows, somebody's amp blows. So it it happens in, in I think, the first first verse, first uh, instrumental of uh, Half Step. And um, they, they're replacing equipment, and Garcia's noodling along, and all of a sudden, Half Step is nice and relaxed, and Garcia's just jamming, you know, they're trying to get the tuning right on the equipment as the song's going along, but this, um, this is, this is a great art by accident, because the blown, uh, blown speaker led to this just being a great Half Step, uh, kind of like an outlier for the time. March 10th, 81, and later in the year, I believe the date is December 7th, Des Moines has a great half-step Franklin's, that that half-step, uh, the jam at the end, brilliant, uh, That that I like that show a lot, the 12-7-81, uh, Grateful Dead, always hot in Iowa, maybe that will be a topic of a future show, the Grateful Dead in Iowa, uh, I think they played there like eight times or something, but uh, they did uh, some serious damage out there in the Midwest in Iowa. Getting back to Half Step, Half Step Franklin's almost ran out of steam. It seemed like they were going through Half Step too quickly, and um, it all came to an end on uh, October 17th, 1982, um, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, That was the last Half Step for a while. The good news, help on the way Slipknot Franklin's was returning. Uh, For a 1983 tour, the Grateful Dead decided to... uh, Bring back why it was ever put away. God only knows. Maybe it was just to give Half Step Franklin's their shining moment in the sun. But help on the way, Slipknot and Franklin's were reunited March 25th, 1983, in Compton Terrace. And that pretty much put an end to the Half Step Franklin's. And really, there's nothing more brilliant that the Grateful Dead ever put together in the studio. They, they wrote these songs. Um, in the studio, recorded them in the studio, and it went on to be such a brilliant trifecta live. I mean, from my years of seeing the Grateful Dead, I didn't get to see Dark Star. The most exciting things, I, most exciting music I ever saw was Help on the Way, Slipknot Franklin's. And it was just a, amazing that they brought it back. And um, But the sad news on this end was these are going to be years of decline for Mississippi Half-Step, like a champion that uh, that um, lost his crown and started drinking or something. Um, so Half-Step goes into hibernation. It returns on March 27th, 1985 in the Nassau Coliseum after a more than two-year absence of not playing this great song. I first saw the Grateful Dead, my first show, March 9th, 1981, Madison Square Garden, and then I had uh, bad luck with uh, Half Step through my touring career early on, um, 81, 82, I saw, I would see, you know, a certain amount of shows per year, but I wasn't like a complete tour, tour head at that point, missed every opportunity to see Half Step when they stopped playing it in 83 and 84, that I was catching every single show. So my first half step, this must have been about 70 shows into my uh, into my uh, dead career. 
was Nassau Coliseum March 27th, 1985, and I was completely excited to see my first half step. But uh, instead of it being a jam anthem of some kind, it was a mad dash to get it over with as quick as possible. So I caught a half step here and there over the years, and it wasn't until 1988, March 24th, in the Omni in Atlanta, that I was blown away by a half-step jam. This was my first time in Atlanta, and thank you, Grateful Dead. How many cities in the world can we say our first time was there because of the Grateful Dead? For all of us, the answer is many. They brought brought us so many places uh, we never never have been or would have been. But it was my first time in Atlanta, Omni Theater, and it was the first time that I would see an amazing half-step. Here's the incredible outro jam from that night. Magnificent return of Mississippi half-step in the Omni in Atlanta. A week later, they played another awesome version. I was there at the Brendan Byrne Arena in, uh, I think it was, I believe it was April 1st, 1988. 
And they kept Mississippi, the Grateful Dead kept Mississippi half-step in the rotation all the way to the end in 95. Never overplayed, but it was a regular in the rotation. And that's Mississippi half-step from 72 to 95. Now it's time for Album of the Week. And we're going to go back to the year 1972. Leon Russell is the producer of this album, and the artist is the great blues legend Freddie King, and the album is Texas Cannonball. Freddie King passed away way too soon in 1976 at the age of 42. Damn, what a shame. All these greats, man, like Jerry Garcia seemed to live such a long life. He put out so much music, enough music to fill our lifetimes. Unfortunately, that's not the same with Freddie King. He just has a, a several great albums, you know, live albums, some studio albums. But luckily, he got into the studio in 1972 with Leon Russell. And this is Texas Cannonball. I first came across this album only three, four months ago. And... I've been obsessed with it. I can't I can't get it off my phone. It's like on that recently played thing where it's there and I have to keep listening over and over. So uh, for, uh, on the thing that makes this incredible, Freddie's voice is like a hurricane. Every song it just has the urgency there. Same thing with his guitar playing, which is which was true through his whole career. Just he, he put his body and soul, it's physical, emotional. You can't you can't put more into a guitar than uh, this this guy was putting out there. I've I've been watching videos of him lately. So such an incredible player, Freddie King, and he he definitely was an influence on Garcia. Garcia uh, said as much. You know, he, he, he Garcia loved the Three Kings, Albert, BB, and Freddie. But uh, yeah, this this guy Freddie King was special. Too bad he wasn't around longer. So the album starts off low down and low die which is a cover of the John Fogarty Credence tune, uh, Lodi. Incredible version. It's just like Freddie comes out on this album just like, like a sprinter coming out of the gate. Everything's on the line, man. It's just, you know, uh, I, may, I may never play another song again, like that kind of attitude in the studio. And it, for a blues album, this is total studio perfection. The... It, you got the A side, the B side, five songs each, perfectly balanced, and just capturing Freddie King at his best. So you get the uh, great Credence cover to start it off. Song two is my favorite, Reconsider Baby. So uh, Leon uh, Russell's producing, he's playing piano. He comes in with this beautiful little lick to start it off. <laughs> and then Freddie has the answer, and... The most insane, maybe 30 seconds of guitar to kick off a song. Just like, this is the blues, man. Everything that's a blues is in this Reconsider, baby. And uh, my my, fa my favorite from the album. It's like, you got you to gotta listen to Texas Cannonball. And the story there. So we go to song three. And this is where the Garcia influence comes in. Where, where Garcia was influenced by Freddie King, I think. Um, the... Big Lake Woman. This is probably the most popular. Um, probably would get played on the Blue Station more than any song from the, from this album. A great song. 
You're a big leg woman in a short shirt, mini skirt. And it sounds very much like that's what love will make you do. And you can see where Garcia tries, when he's with the Garcia band, plays with like a Freddie King kind of feel, maybe more than any other blues guitarist. I think Garcia kind of gets into that Freddie King mode uh, when, he's, when he's playing with the uh, Garcia band. But uh, Reconsider Baby and Big Lake Woman, incredible. You know, just the, the, the key to any album is the first two or three songs. They got to hook you. And uh, so something about these first three songs, you know, you're, you're done. You know, you, you got to keep keep going back to Texas Cannonball after you hear uh, Reconsider Baby and uh, Big Lake Woman. Side one closes out with me and my guitar, and I'd rather be blind than to see you go. Blues at its most here. And then we uh, go to side, flip it over, side B, Can't Trust Your Neighbor, and Isaac Hayes, David Porter tune. Uh, Can't Trust your, ba- your Neighbor with Your Baby. Great advice, and hearing it from Freddie King, soul, gospel. And then uh, it does his, uh, the, the one original Freddie King tune on this is uh, You Was Wrong. Um, then we go Helen Wolf, How Many More Years. It, just the ending of this is so powerful. The great blues classics here. How Many More Years. Um, then you go to Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine. That was like a big hits, obviously the big hit song. I think the year was like 71 a year earlier. Ain't No Sunshine, When She's Gone. And then it closes out uh, this uh, perfectly balanced album, Texas Cannonball. Closes out with the Elmore James classic, The Sky is Crying. Just, wow. It, you know, it's, it's like listening to a Beatles album. It's like if the Beatles did the blues, this, this is it, man. Texas Cannonball, Freddie King, man. If you haven't heard it, check it out, man. I'm... Like I said, I'm almost embarrassed to say I didn't know this album prior to a few months earlier. I just uh, got into a Freddie King kick and I came across this thing. It was it was kind of recommended as one of his great albums and just blown away by everything on it, man. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to get into other classic albums along the way, but this is the Half Step Special. Hope you enjoyed. This is episode 19 of the Deadology Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Weiner, and uh, thanks for tuning in. My website, tangledupintunes.com. All my books are on there. My books are on Amazon. And Mississippi Half Step Uptown Toodaloo. Thanks for listening. Peace out.